Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alfstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, and here with... Keith Myers. Last week we're talking offense. This week it's defense in free agency. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing great, and uh, this is going to be uh, kind of a big show. I mean, we both have have said multiple times in the last few weeks that um, the Seahawks are going to spend money on the defense. They're going to spend draft picks on the defense. They're going to invest in the defense this year because the defense was bad last year, and there is no way that Pete Carroll is going to let it stay that way going into next year. You're right. I mean, the defense was was abysmal, um, just quite honestly. I mean, we finished the season with 28 sacks, second fewest in the NFL, only behind Miami. Their sacks per- percentage was 4.5%, the worst overall in the NFL. They had 126 pressures, sixth fewest in the NFL. Um, I could go on and on. I mean, the, the quarterback hits, fourth fewest, uh, 52 tackles for loss as a team. Um, again, fourth fewest, excess, you know, et cetera. I mean, ranked overall, I think it was what, 26th or 27th, uh, overall, um, defensive ranking. Um, and not good, not good enough t- to win uh, championship football. And that's where the team's headed. I mean, if you really look at everything that we've talked about over the last couple, two, three years, since we started kind of the rebuild or retooling, if you will. Uh, everything points to this year being the year where everything was supposed to line up. Uh, we extended Russell Wilson. We got Bobby Wagner back. We've added some nice pieces in the draft. We've got a couple of free agents uh, on board. Um, we've had a, a few trades. And uh, this year we've got the cap lined up. We've got the, the draft where we've got a lot of draft capital. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, I think uh, comp picks are announced, I think, tomorrow. So after we record uh, this show, we'll find out exactly what we've got, but it looks like we're going to get at least three. And um, so it, it just seems like it's lining up, but the defense is really holding back uh, the team um, at this point. So uh, one thing that did happen since we recorded last, though, is we did get the Greg Olson signing. So last week uh, when we recorded, uh, he had met with the team. This was last Wednesday. And uh, but had not heard any reports out as to the status of the negotiations. And it turned out uh, Seattle won that negotiation. And he was uh, locked in for $5.5 million, uh, $7 million overall, $5.5 million guaranteed, one-year deal. Greg Olson in the tight ends room this uh, year, Keith. What do you think about that? I think it's a good move uh, for the team. I know that people are scoffing a little bit at the money because of, you know, it's $7 million of cap room that's now gone to a tight end. Um, but this is a, a situation where the team doesn't have a player on the roster uh, because Disley's supposed to be the guy, but he's coming off a, uh, a, 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 torn Achilles and major repair. And I mean, that, that can be a career ender. It turns out it's probably not going to be for him, but that's the severity of it. And then, you know, Hollister is a passing option, but the guy can't block at all. Uh, So, and those are the only two guys on the roster. So you, they're in a situation where they don't have someone that they can depend on to go be 
uh, their tight end, you know, as an every down player. And they're getting a guy who is, uh, you know, pro bowler, um, all, you know, multiple year, all pro, um, though he's now 36 and he played in 14 out of 16 games last year and was good despite, you know, bad quarterback play. Um, there, he still put up some pretty good numbers, but the previous two years were not so nice to Greg Olson and he had some injuries. So I kind of get the, the, I understand where, uh, there's some people out there that are a little worried about this deal and how much money, um, but it's a one year deal and they've got the cap room. So I like it. It fills a hole and it lets them go into the draft, um, saying, Hey, if the, the right player drops to us, we can grab them. But if it doesn't, we're good for a year. We can, we can kick the can down the road till uh, 2021. And I also look at it as kind of a net deal. Uh, when you take a look at Ed Dixon's contract, uh, he's going to be uh, uh, cut at this point. Um, and his cap savings is $3 million. So you just take that right off the top of the, um, the Olson deal. And it just makes a lot more sense. Now, granted that money could be distributed any way you want it to, but that's kind of the way I'm looking at it as far as, allocation to that position you take Dixon out you put Olsen in you add a couple million dollars more and there you go um so to me it's a good deal plus Greg Olson's a hell of a guy and he's a great yeah he's a good coach at this point in his career you know 30 what four years old um he's going to be a guy that's a great influence in the in the locker room uh likely with uh uh, Disley coming back. It sounds like the reports out are the team is expecting him to be ready day one, which is great news, but we just don't know at this point, but it's great news to, to, uh, to, to have that outlook. And he had Olsen in there likely to probably draft a guy. I, I mentioned last week, I thought they would probably draft a guy mid to late rounds that would be more of a blocking tight end, um, that they could groom along that has some pats pass catching ability that they could mold, over time, but to put him in a room with Greg Olson, that all of a sudden becomes a, a nice little asset there. So to me, it's dollars well spent. Um, yeah, there's a chance that Greg could get hurt and we could be back, uh, drop back down uh, a little bit, but hopefully they hedge in the draft and pick up somebody. Um, plus, you still got Hollister that can catch, you know, 40 or 50 balls a year for you too. That's kind of a move tight end. So I think it's a great situation for the Seahawks. So yeah. I don't think other than other than the price, I don't think there's a lot to dislike. Uh, if this move instead of coming in at seven and a half, it come in at five or five and a half. I don't think there'd be anybody uh, out there that that would hate the move. Um, so it's in really like you said, they got one day out of Ed Dixon last year, uh, and it was a practice. It wasn't even a game. He was on on the active roster for one day, then went back on in, injured reserve. And uh, if they're going to get significantly more than that out of uh, Olsen this year, and they're going to get it at, you know, it's only going to be about three million more than what he was ma- than what Dixon was making. So they're going to get a bigger contribution out of that roster spot, uh, and it's worth a little bit of an investment. Yeah, I mean, Greg's still going to give you, uh, you know, thirty to forty catches a year. At this point, he's going to give you. Three to four hundred yards. He's going to be a red zone target for Russell Wilson. Um, he's always been that, and so to me, you take a look at you know four or five touchdowns, four four hundred yards, forty catches. That's a great uh, contribution, especially if Disley comes back and is healthy and has a 
productive season, um, all of a sudden that turns into a real nice asset for the team. Um, so let's go to the defense, Keith. We have such a t- uh, ton of information to talk about today. Um, I thought we'd just start right where the largest need is on the defense, which is up front um, at defensive end edge. And I kind of want to set this up so because I think the team c- could go in one of two different directions this free agency period. And you, uh, you'll probably agree, and I don't know exactly which way you're leaning. Um, they first need to figure out what they're going to do with Clowney, right? Clowney mm-hmm. wants come out. It, the rumors are that he wants to set the market at that position, which means it's going to be a 22 to $24 million deal. And I honestly don't know if the Seahawks are willing to go up that high to pay for Clowney, given, given what Clowney gives you. Um, and Clowney gives you a really nice base end in a, in a 4-3 defense. He's, he's an excellent run defender. Uh, he can give you some pass rush, but he's not going to be, he's not going to give you more than like eight or 10 sacks a year. If that, um, last year obviously did not happen and he didn't have any help on the other side. Hopefully we'll give him some more help this year if we get him back. Um, but if we get him back at that number, the likelihood that we're going to give him a lot of help at the other two spots we need to give him help with kind of goes down. Um, so the question is, does the team want to re-sign Clowney at $22 plus million a year, or do they take that money and spend it across two or three players to give them a better opportunity to approve the entire line, not just one spot? Yeah, I mean, that that is the big question. Now, they've, they've, they've had Clowney um, in there. They know who he is. They know his work ethic. They know his personality. Um, there's a lot of those factors that go into the fact the team really likes him. And yeah, he's not going to give you, you know, 16 sacks. That's not necessarily who he is because he's, but he's more of an every down defensive end. He is a guy who plays the run extremely well. He uh, is disruptive, even if he's not getting sacks because he lives in the backfield. Um, He does all the little things that you want and is just a great player that makes the people around him better. So it's one of those situations where I really like uh, Clowney. I think he's a great player and would love to have him back. But $22 million a year, um, is it? It does make you pause. I mean, that would be more than like 70% of all the quarterbacks in the NFL. Only the premier pass throwers in the NFL make more money than that. And, And he's got an injury history. You know, and and that it just, would be more than uh, Frank Clark, who they sent to the Chiefs a year ago and let him sign with the Chiefs, and you know after being traded, and for twenty million dollars, it's two million dollars a year more for a guy who is as productive. Um, you know, they're they're. I think Clowney's a better player when he's healthy, but he's not healthy as much. So um, as far as overall production over over 17 games, if that's Can you imagine have, if we made that investment, Keith, and Clowney, knock on wood, Clowney got hurt um, after, yeah. after that investment? That would, mm-hmm. after that investment that in 2020, you're literally banking your entire defense on that one move in, in essence and if that falls out of whack, your entire defense is in jeopardy. 
that to me yeah, is a be, lot of risk for the team. I don't know if we've really talked about that Percy very much. Harvin. It would be worse than Percy Harvin if he did get hurt and didn't play. Um, in fact, what it would be a lot like is um, Cam Chancellor is really what it would come down to. And I know everyone uh, listening to this loves Cam. We do too uh, here on the show. But um, he signed that big contract and then he promptly got hurt and had that neck injury that forced him to retire. And he was on the roster for two more years with yeah. guaranteed money. Well, I mean, you could likely see Clowney back given the injury. Well, I'm, this is all speculative. But what I'm saying is um, you would lose him for a year. And, and this is a year where it's wide open. The window's wide open for the Super Bowl. And so you would you would literally take your chances of getting to the Super Bowl and because what you've done is you've tied up $22 million cap in one player. Maybe it's less the first year, you know, whatever the structure is, that's fine. Um, but nonetheless, you're, you're uh, inhibiting your ability to go out and get other players to surround him with or, or to fill that position with a, a better value player and then spend more money on a true edge rusher or a true three tech. If they say Reed doesn't come back, a guy that can really disrupt the pocket. You have that opportunity now. The, the slate is clean. Uh, there's not many folks on that defensive line that are coming back. Um, and so you've got an opportunity to really rebuild this thing the way you want to rebuild it. And if it's Clowney at $22 million, man, that's a, that's a big, big chunk. And I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Like, is it the wisest thing to do? Yeah. So, okay, let's say they don't sign Clowney. Let's say they don't. Um, there's a lot of options out there. There's $22 million worth of options out there. (laughs) That's Um, true. Who, who do they go spend that money on? Because you can't just, you can't not, you have to go spend the money on defensive line. You have to upgrade it. It was a massive weakness last year, even with Clowney. And if you lose him, now you're looking at maybe having the worst defensive line in the NFL. You've got to go spend some money. You've got to upgrade the talent there. Um, well, so here's, here's a couple you, options to me. To me, there would be a couple options. You go fill that spot on the other side and you go get a true edge guy. And then you hope that you develop the guys that you've already got on the, on the team in, um, in, in the guys that we've gotten the last couple drafts in Collier and Rasheed Green. Green, right? And, and then maybe you bring a, middle tier um, veteran come in and uh, to, to kind of add another piece to that uh, base four three defensive end guy, right? You go spend big on the edge and maybe at the three tech and you take that 22 million and you divide that into two and you you spend, you know, 10 million on an edge guy and 10 million on a defensive tackle. That's a three tech and you've got a pretty nice tandem plus the young guys on the other end, maybe a mid-tier veteran, maybe that would be an approach that you would do. Um, in that situation, maybe on the other side, you look, and, and there's a lot of names. I mean, uh, in, in free agency, Shaq Lawson would be a really nice candidate to, he could, he could be your three-down defender. I mean, if you didn't do a clowny, you could do a Shaq Lawson, and you could do it for, let's say, I don't know, Seven to nine million dollars, right? Seven to nine million dollars for this. I think guy. it's gonna be a little more than that. It's gonna be more like eleven. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, that's, it's but Sport half. Tech. Sport Tech said, you know, 
projected at seven and a half and I was kind of being generous at nine, but you say maybe 11, 12, I still, I would look at a guy like that at six, three, two sixty, twenty-five 25 years old, three down defender. Um, and he's got some pass rush ability, 13 tackles for loss, 18 quarterback hits, six and a half sacks last year, but his best attribute is run defense. He's got great strength, hand use. He'd be a really nice swap. If you didn't get a clowny, you could spend a hell of a lot less, half as much, as a matter of fact, get a guy like that, and then you'd have more money to go get maybe your defensive tackle guy or maybe go get that other edge rusher to complement that. Yeah, I, I I think that would be a good pick um, pickup. He's not the only one uh, no, that I look I at know. when yeah. when you go through because there's, there's some there's some decent uh, – there's some decent names on here. Um, you could go look at maybe like an Aaron Lynch who played outside linebacker in the three, four for the bears and have him be that uh, speed rusher on the edge. Um, you maybe go try and sign uh, Eric Armstead away from the 49ers and have him be that three tech on the inside slash five tech against the run yep. uh, type, type of situation. So there, you know, there, there's some different guys that you could go and, and look at um, if you're looking at, you know, maybe spending um, a little less money um, and still trying to get something out of out of you know your free agent pickups. You might go uh, look at um, you know Marcus Golden from the Giants or Bud Dupree from the Steelers. Both of those guys yeah. have been kind of Marcus um, Golden had ten sacks last year. You know, he's getting a little okay. older, but you know, good guy. Well, he's, he's he's only twenty seven. Yeah, um, I. I did not realize he got 10. He just seemed like one of those guys that kind of underperforms and, um, and never even go out and get a guy like Jason Pierre Paul, the 31 year old guy from the bucks. He had 21 sacks in the last two seasons. I mean, a guy like that that you could bring in a stopgap and pay him like six, seven million bucks a year. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, and he's a guy that, you know, there was a time when he was a 20, almost a 20 sack, uh, a year guy when he was with the Giants, but that was before he blew half his hand off um, in a Fourth of July accident. So, uh, but he's still got you know there's still a lot, a lot he's got a lot left in the tank, um, and I, I, I could see that being a good move. Uh, the other end of this, like we were just talking about, you know, maybe some some not quite spending all the money uh, type of guys. If they do go out and spend all the money on a guy, and it's not Jadavian Clowney. Um, it's quite possible it could be Dante Fowler, Fowler Jr. Yeah. Uh, from the Rams, who's been there. Uh, he was their answer because, um, you know, they've lost, they lost most of their, you know, star defensive line from a f- couple of years ago. They, you know, just couldn't uh, keep them all. And so they tr- made the trade with um, the, the Jaguars and brought Fowler over. And Fowler was just absolutely disruptive um, and played very well. So uh, he's one of those guys, he's, uh, 25 now will be 26 next season. Actually played in uh, 79.7% of uh, the Rams' defensive snaps. So they they played him a lot. Um, and that's and way the Rams more than are in the, an interesting cap situation too because they need to pay Jalen Ramsey that, that they traded two first round picks for, and they mm-hmm. need to pay Corey Littleton at middle linebacker, and they've only got like 20 million dollars in, in cap. They could franchise Fowler at 16.2 or they could try to extend him with a low cap hit in the first year. But chances are, I think Fowler's going to get away in free agency. I mean, he would be an interesting pickup at 25 years old. Um, last year he signed a one year, $12 million contract, but this year he looks to kind of cash in a little bit. I think it's probably closer to 15 
you know, for a guy like that. Um, yeah. Well, I think it'll be a little higher. Um, wow. I mean, if, Cloudy, if Cloudy's going to get, if Cloudy's going to get, um, you know, 22, then Fowler's going to get probably 17 or 18. Uh, but we're talking about a super disruptive player who plays a lot and hasn't gotten hurt. And, um, I don't know. He's he's younger too, and, and so I, I could just I could see that working out yes. well to go in that direction for a little bit less uh, and make that work. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that you can pay twelve to seventeen million dollars. I mean, Matthew Judon is a guy that I really liked with the Ravens when the Ravens played the Seahawks. He was all over the field. The nice thing mm-hmm. about him is he's totally scheme diverse. You can line him up outside, inside, plays linebacker. You can drop back into coverage. Um, Ravens could franchise him. But they've also talked about trading him as well, franchise tag and trade, like we did with Clark. Something like that's possible. Um, in a tag and trade situation, I don't know if that's comp pick in, in, inclusive or not. So anyway, no, I think we're going to be it, so active. I think we're going to be active enough in free agency. We're probably throwing out comp picks next year. I'm not even going to worry about it. But yeah, um, agreed. Anyway, yeah, I, those are good, there good is, guys. Go ahead. There is one. There is one other name which actually just joined the market um, it, that we probably should mention here, and that would be Everson Griffin uh, with the Vikings. Who, you know, he was set to make, um, you know, fourteen and a half million next year. He had eighteen point eight uh, guaranteed left in his deal, but he opted out three years early because he had the option. Can you to. imagine? Um, Leaving that much money on the table. Wow. Just he he left eighteen point eight million dollars on the table, in part because it sounded like the Vikings were getting ready to move on just because of his cap number, because of where they are, and he want he had the option to do it and wanted to get out before the start of free agency so he could go meet with teams. Uh, because if you waited for the Vikings to do it, they would probably wait. They could. They may have may have waited till after the June first cutoff. It, it um, very well could have, and you know to spread the cap hit out over two years. And then he's looking at a situation where all the teams have used up their cap room, um, and so he's just looking for scraps. So uh, being able to get out in front of it, he is thirty three, uh, but he did play you know seventy seven point eight percent of the team snaps last year, and is. At, he's as good and dominant as you're going to see. So um, maybe it's a situation where you can you can go, hey, look, you know, you had that 18.8 guaranteed in your old deal. Let's match that um, over two years and add a third year for um, that we could cut off the books if you know because by then he'll be 35. Um, and, and roll with that and and just see how how it goes. You might be able to get him for you know. Uh, nine and a half million dollars a year, uh, because you're helping him recoup that eighteen point eight that he left on the table when he opted out. Um, but nine and a half for a player of his caliber—that's a deal. So, would you still sign Clowney in that scenario? I don't know. I think if you could get Griffin in that situation, where you're basically getting him for two years while you develop other players, I would go spend. The money, um, excuse me, normally spending, you know, like say, let's say it's nine and a half or ten. Um, like, okay, well, let's go spend the other half of the clowny money and try and get um, another player, uh, you know, like a you know, Shaq Barrett from the Bucks. How about like or, a Robert Quinn? And the reason I say Robert Quinn is Dallas has got some problems signing Dallas has players. Some major- 
Like they've got to sign Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Byron Jones. Like those are have mm-hmm. to be the priorities. Robert Quinn's an afterthought. You know, he came to them. Uh, Dallas traded a sixth round pick for him in 2019, but essentially played on a one year deal. He's 29 years old. He's probably not going to be their priority. Um, but he's got an elite first step, like Michael Bennett elite. And he's got long arms, 34 inch arms. He's an effective run defender. Uh, but he's, he's more of a pass rush guy. Um, and he's going to be like a 10 to $12 million a year guy, I think. But he's had some injuries. You know, part of the reason that he's going to be cheaper is he's had some injury history, the back surgery, concussions, hand surgery, seizures. <laughs> I mean, it's not a short list. Well, you know, a few years ago when he was with the Rams, he was, um, you know, he one was of Russell the, Wilson's you know, worst enemies. Well, yeah. And he was, you know, NFL sack leader. Um, and he's that kind of guy, but I don't know if he's still that kind of guy. Um, he didn't see, even though he played 60% of the snaps this last year, he didn't seem like he was quite the same guy. The first step is there, but the second step doesn't have the power it used to, uh, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I wouldn't pay him 12. I'd pay him eight. We'll um, see what the market looks like. I mean, the way yeah. the numbers we're throwing around and we're not even batting an eye. He'd probably get twelve. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just one of those absolutely. things. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely, but that's what I'm saying is, I is, I think he will get twelve, but I wouldn't pay twelve. I'd pay eight. Um, and if he's willing to, you know, come here on a discount to go win now, uh, sure. And if not, there's other options that I think I would rather have. I think I'd rather go spend the money on Shaq Lawson or um, Shaquille Barrett. Yeah. All right. If they're available, you know, there's franchise tags out there and all that kind of stuff. We'll just have to wait and see how this thing washes out. Let's move to the tackle market. Um, Let's move inside a little bit and see. Now, the Seahawks right now have Jaron Reed. He's a free agent. Uh, Jaron's expressed the idea that he wants to make 10 plus million dollars a year, um, even more than that. Um, And I don't know that the market supports that with him in particular. Now, a team can definitely look at his upside, a team that has a lot of cap space that could just throw some money um, and we could lose him in that scenario. That's that's entirely possible. So let's approach this with the idea that we lose Reed. Um, Let's let's approach it that we lose um, that we lose all of our guys and we just have to start over. the, the tackle depth in free agency to me is actually pretty decent. Um, there's a lot of run stuffing defensive tackles out there uh, to help Puna Ford out. If we wanted to mm-hmm. like uh, if we wanted to replace some of uh, Woods uh, productivity from last year, you go and you get another guy, maybe a little younger guy um, out there. So there's some run stuffing type defensive tackles out there, space eaters. Um, and then there's the pass rush guys those are the guys that are fun to talk about like the chris joneses of the world um and what do you think about chris jones i mean kansas city's got some cap space kind of conundrums as well they've only got 14 million in cap space right now and he's looking at a 20 he's looking at a 20 million dollar contract as an interior uh, pass rusher look at listen to these stats 27 tackles for loss 24 and a half sacks 49 qb hits in just the last two seasons I mean, that would be so nice. Six six three ten, twenty five years old. I want that. <laughs> oh, I need that. But the thing is, everybody needs that. But twenty million dollars a year for an interior lineman that plays three tech. 
Um, yeah, but he can play. Count, he can but, play five. He can play five tech too. He can move around a little bit. True, but we're talking about a guy who plays primarily three tech, and the Seahawks have gotten by for years with um, Tony McDaniel and you know yes, guys that is like true. that at the three. But tech. they did and, try to solve this issue with uh, Sheldon Richardson. You know, they've tried to solve. They've tried to throw some talent at this position in the past. So it's not like they haven't or they wouldn't want to if they could. But let me ask you this. Would you rather play Clowney 22 million or would you pay Chris Jones 20 or 21? I'd rather play Chris, Chris Jones 20. Um, Younger, it, you know, less injury history. Yep. But I also, I would look around and see if there's other guys um, that I could, like we talked about earlier, split the money and get two guys. Yeah, I agree. Uh, instead I agree. of one, I, I um, agree. Cause Chris, Chris Jones is, is a nice piece. I, I, I like that. Um, but maybe you can go instead and get a very similar guy who's granted four years older. Um, but Michael Brockers, who's very productive as an inside pass rusher, um, or a guy like, he's more uh, of a Leonard run stopping base defensive end though. Brockers. He can, but when you move him, he when you move him inside to the um, the three tech. Part of it is that he's not a great pass rusher, though, Keith. He's disruptive. It's because he doesn't, you know, end up getting the sacks. He he he's still disruptive. He still gets in. He makes people move. He makes uh, makes life hard for quarterbacks because they have to move theirs from their spot and that kind of stuff. He's he's a disruptive player, Um, and you know, and that's available. So uh, Gerald McCoy. Um, you know, is available. He's 32, but he's out there. So you're talking um, about you know, paying paying guys, you know, six six million, seven million to be to be in that spot. Yeah, and and, and to go in and and get a guy for a year or two, rather than you how know, about a guy like Jordan Phillips? What are your thoughts on Jordan Phillips? I'm just asking. So 27. Here's the backstory. 27 years old. Six mm-hmm. five three twenty nine thirty four point seven five inch arms, and uh, the caution cautionary tale with Jordan Phillips is that he was a second round pick in two thousand fifteen, but he was cut after four games in Miami in two thousand eighteen. Buffalo picked him up; it worked out in two thousand eighteen, so they they gave him a one year deal in nineteen. In nineteen, he had 20, 14 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, and sixteen QB hits from that three tech spot at six five three twenty nine. He's got power, mass, burst. Young guy, you know, twenty seven years old. And Sport Tech, which is a kind of a site that projects salary uh, in the NFL, it's projected him between six and eight million dollars a year. So I'm just wondering if we could get him for six or eight million, would you take a guy like that had some upside that was younger that if we lost Reed, maybe we could fill that with a guy like that? I I would take a chance on a guy like that for especially at that price. Um that that's a good one. I mean there there's some other there's some similar guys that maybe don't have the um you know, some the of the character scary back issues. numbers. Yeah. Um you know, you can look at like uh Ishan Robinson from the Lions. Um, he's a great run or, stuffer though. He's not a three tech. Yep. No, uh, but he, well, he can be, he can be a you three know what tech, I'm but saying. He, he would, yeah. but he would also be, the, he would, he's not a pass rusher. He's, he's more of, of the, um, he's more of the Puna Ford uh, kind of guy where he's going to give P- you a little Puna push. Puna Ford, Al Woods, right. yep, Al Woods type of guy. Uh, so you get him, um, Danny Shelton's out there he, again. 
Danny Shelton's, and I don't, this, that's one that I just don't get why, um, I mean, I get the CX have Puna Ford. And so it's like, okay, you get Danny Shelton. Now you've got two Danny yeah, but Shelton. They got Al Woods. Or, you know, they brought Al Woods in. You might as well bring in a it, guy. Yeah. And, and Shelton, he's, you know, from around here. He's local. Um, and he's, you know, 26 currently. Um, I, I would do that. I would well, have we a problem have with Puna that. Well, we might have Puna Ford too, Keith, but we still ranked, you know, near the bottom of the pack in run defense. So we still need uh, all Vernon, the help we can get. The Vernon Butler with the Panthers. Um, what do you would think of Michael Pierce? I, I look at. Um, he younger is not guy. on my list. Yeah, oh, um, you probably well, get him for three or four million bucks. Same as Al Woods, kind of a contract. He's not as young. I mean, he's he's twenty eight, um, and he played. Only played uh, like forty. What is it? Forty-seven percent of the snaps last year. Um, so he's more of a rotational guy. But you're right. Here he's a guy who he's a younger version of Al Woods. Hopefully, hopefully with less uh, PED suspension in him. Um, so if you're going to pay gonna for a premier more. guy, I don't know that you would pay like a JR, uh, DJ Reader. Uh, I don't think you would pay a guy like that. You know, ten million dollars. Uh, you already have mm-hmm. Ford on your roster. You're looking for a replacement for Woods. If you're not going to bring Woods back, Woods was 31 last year. He'd be 32 this year. So I'm looking at a guy to replace that, like an Andrew Billings, like you said, Danny Shelton. Um, or you could go out and you could spend big bucks and really kind of try to solve problems and get Puna Ford in a tandem with somebody else in rotation. Um, you know, it depends on how they want to spend their money. I mean, last week's show, we spent some money on a, a tackle we spent some money on a center um we spent some money on a tight end and we did in fact go spend some money on a tight end the team did um mm-hmm. so the the money's already bleeding out that's where you know you, you you look at the the clowny situation and you're just wondering how in the heck are they going to do that and still solve all the other issues that they have we haven't even talked about the back end yet um so it'll be interesting to see how the team approaches this. I mean, it, it's a lot easier to solve if Clowney isn't re-signed. If Clowney is signed, you've really got to figure out a way to plug holes on the on the cheap. Um, mm-hmm. If Clowney's not retained, you can go out and you can split his cap hold, in essence, um, on three or four different guys. And I think the team ends up being holistically better for that. Uh, and you spread that... Um, you spread that. Uh, what do I want to say, Keith? Um, you spread the injury risk. And the risk. Around. You spread the risk. Thank you. Um, over you know three or four guys as opposed to centering it all on one guy that's already had a major history. So anywho, enough of that. Um, anything else on the the tackle front? Um, not really. I mean, when I was looking through here, I was like, okay, well, what are some other options? Um, not just for the tackle, but just the defensive line in general, because the CX tend to be creative and not always look in the same direction that we would consider. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Von Miller, uh, from the Broncos suddenly became available this offseason via trade. And if he did, if Seattle wouldn't go get him and use him in a basically and basically re revamp what used to be the Chris Clemens role um, over there and let him split out a little wider and just get after the quarterback like crazy. Um, 
that would be a great fit for him. And let's face it, there are very few players as productive. You know who dominant. else? You know who else would be an interesting trade guy? Callius Campbell, Jacksonville Jaguars. He's he's at the back end of his four year deal. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's got a seventeen point five million dollar cap hit, but he's got a fifteen million dollar base salary. So. Jacksonville could save $15 million by either trading him or letting him go. Um, he's 34 years old. So Jacksonville's got a lot of other issues going on and it might behoove them to move on from a player like that. That's got a huge cap hit at 34 years old. Um, and we know for a fact that Callius Campbell could make a huge impact and on a short term contract, the Seahawks may be interested in something like that. I don't know what kind of draft capital that they would need to give up or a player. Um, but that to me would be a very interesting deal if they could swing something. Yeah. I mean, if they can figure out a way to, to get him, I mean, he's older. And so you're looking at a one, a one year thing, or maybe it's a situation where he, he gets cut and they sign him for a two year deal or that kind of thing. But even though he's older, this is, we're talking a dominant guy. He's, really tall, really long. Um, and not only does he get upfield and get be disruptive, but then he's really adept at reading what's going on um, with the blocking and the quarterback and getting those big mitts of his uh, with those long arms in, uh, you know, up in the quarterback's face or in the passing lanes. Um, really disruptive that way. In fact, we were very happy when he left the division and went um you know, away from uh, Carolina because we just got tired of watching him dominate Seattle's uh, offensive line, you know, twice a year. So um, being able to get him back, even if it's just for a year that, you know, in a Seattle uniform would be kind of fun, especially because when he was a free agent and he went to Jacksonville, there was a, there was a chance he could have come, he could come to Seattle. I mean, there was, there was, they were looking and um, it would have been a great fit at the time. He's a little older now, but, I still think it'd be fun. I mean, and, and it would cost Seattle 15 million bucks, you know, plus, mm-hmm. plus draft capital. What, you know, say you throw him a fourth rounder or whatever. Um, to me, you know, maybe you take a look at something like that. So let's, let's move on. Let's go to a different position group. Let's talk about some linebackers. Um, now when I kind of went through this process for me, and you, you probably agree, uh, linebackers wasn't going to be the first thing on my radar. Um, as far as what I was trying to solve for, on this defense, we've got Bobby Wagner at middle linebacker. Um, we do have KJ Wright right now. That could be a, an asset that the team could uh, get away from if they so chose uh, to, uh, so choose to do. Uh, as in, he's got a seven point five million dollar savings if he is cut. Um, now they may choose to retain him at that. They may choose to uh, restructure or they may choose to cut him. Uh, if if they do cut him, the hole becomes much larger and we need to address that. Um, but as it stands now, <clears throat> um, we don't really have a lot of need. And Barton's over on the other side too. So they've got their starters, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so you're just well, kind of solving for some Barton depth. Barton is playing out possi- of position. True. Barton but he's good enough to do that. Uh, he is. Um, but he actually fits better either at middle linebacker, uh, which is where he played in college, or at um, 
at weak side linebacker, which is kind of what right. like he's kind of a prototype for a weak side linebacker in Seattle scheme. So um, if they decide to move on from, uh, you know, okay. from KJ Wright, you know, Barton becomes the weak side linebacker, and you're still looking at a strong side linebacker uh, as far as the need. Um, and that has never been a, a position that they've really, you know, gone after and, and, and spent big money there. Um, obviously, the best they've had at the position, of, you know, in the Pete Carroll uh, era was Bruce Irvin, um, who didn't start there but moved there after a year. Um, and they chose to let him go. I mean, part of it was there's a lot of cap concerns and whatever, but they did chose to let, choose to let him walk. And, you know, they've gone with some scrap heap kind of guys the last couple, you know, for a few years. And then last year they thought they had it figured out with Michael Kendricks, who didn't work out all that well. And he got uh, hurt as far at the as end too. Thing. Yep. Uh, so you, you look at, at all of that and you go, well, what do they do? Uh, and I think either way, um, I know we aren't, you are, I'm going to agree with you uh, that they're not going to spend money on a linebacker. Um, if they do, it's going to be someone, and, and they're not going to spend a lot of money, but if they sign someone, it's going to be, okay, this person can be a backup and is re- known for being a really good special teamer. Uh, that's, yeah. that's who they're going to get. Well, um, I think if, if they, they do, were, if they do cut, um, right, it does become a little bit more than just that. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. And there is a guy like, a name uh, of it. go ahead. I was say there, there is one guy out of all this entire list that if they cut, um, KJ, Wright, Barton moves over to weak side. Yeah. Um, I want them to go sign Vic Beasley from the Falcons. Interesting. Um, 27 played, um, you know, 73, 73% of the team snaps last year. Um, he's a strong side linebacker. He is good at getting up the field and rushing the passer. Um, he is adept at, you know, setting the edge. And basically he is a, uh, Burroughs Servan, uh, in at the same, roughly the same age that Bruce Irvin was when he left. So it's like, okay, you're, you're getting a very similar guy athletically, a very similar guy, uh, as far as productivity. Um, and you're basically sticking a guy over there that you could depend on, um, for, for seven or eight sacks, seven or eight sacks too. I mean, he's got 37 and a half sacks and 154 tackles in five seasons. So that's, you know, seven, eight sacks a year. Um, somebody like that would be interesting. I don't know how much money they would have to spend. I mean, somebody might pay Vic Beasley, maybe. Um, if if the market is leery of him for whatever reason, um, you, Seattle may be able to get him on a one year deal. You know, kind of rehab his image, get back out there. Uh, they might be able to pay him, you know, five six million bucks, and that would be a great deal. Um, another guy that I thought would be interesting, had a lot of upside that's looking for more, uh, more of a starter role full time would be, a Kamale, uh, Korea of the Titans outside linebacker, 26 years old. Um, he's a strong side linebacker can get after the pass, uh, pass rush. Um, he's, you know, he's going to be looking for his basically his first contract. So he's going to be had for three and a half, four million dollars a year, a little bit of guaranteed money, uh, but he could come in and, and really do a nice job for you. The issue with that is you'd have two young guys at linebacker, Bobby Wagner in the middle. You'd be putting Barton on one side and a guy like this on the other side. I think your situation with Beasley makes a little bit more sense to have a veteran presence opposite Barton 
Um, mm-hmm. You might take well, a look at a guy like Jamie Collins, even just a guy that can come in for a year or two to hold down mm-hmm. that position. Yeah, and I mean, and and there are uh, there are other guys that you know would fill in that same role. If you're looking for a veteran guy who you know a one year deal kind of thing, uh, where you could bring in a, a guy to just be an impact guy uh, for one year while you while you groom someone. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of those guys around. Um, they might even, they had, might look at a guy like uh, Devondre Campbell, another guy from the Falcons, who played with Vic Beasley, uh, also mm-hmm. an outside linebacker, uh, 27 years old. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, because he's played in basically Pete Carroll's defense. You know, so a guy like that would be, they'd probably be on Seattle's radar a little bit. That's all I had on my list for linebackers, Keith. Just wasn't a lot out there. It wasn't in a position of need as far as the show is concerned. So I just didn't spend a lot of time. Yeah, it, and it really isn't. So we're, we've probably spent more than enough time on it already. <laughs> um, because the team is just isn't. They might. They'll probably draft a player. You know, to develop yes. someone like they did with yes, Cody Barton exactly, a year ago. Exactly. But I don't see them spending money on a linebacker unless they choose. You know the unpopular move, which would be to to move on from KJ Wright and get a guy like uh, Vic Beasley. Uh, but other than that, they're going to draft a player and just roll with what they've got because they're they're not going to spend the money there. So let's move backwards. Let's go uh, deeper. Let's look at safety because okay. with safety, you've got um, the Seahawks are, are in a in a, a nice little spot where they've got um, you know. They've They're got two starters Diggs back there. Um, they've got uh, the future at strong safety in um, Blair. My brain just totally Blair. There we go. My brain just like skipped out there. They like him at free um, safety now, but he can play both. Yeah. Kind of he a hybrid can play guy. both. And so, but yeah, he, he's kind of like probably the future at strong safety. And you've got um, uh, McDougald, who is the, the current, the, the, the present at strong safety. So you've got your three guys. Um, you know, you've got your your uh, starters and you know your key backup at both positions. Uh, however, that ends up shaking out. You after that, you're looking at special teams guys. Well, um, and you look so, at Thompson and Hill. The team looks like it might be moving on. I mean, those guys at Hill would probably maybe come back, but Thompson, to me, I don't think he makes it out of camp. Now, if he does, mm-hmm. I'm I'll cover me shocked because he just fallen so far out of favor. But Pete Carroll seems to like him. Um, but other than that, he doesn't have a lot going for him. So to me, you bring a guy in to develop. I don't know that you spend a lot on the position unless you truly find an upgrade that comes at you in free agency that's mm-hmm. uh, later on in free agency after the market dries up a little bit. You still got a guy out there that could help your team. Uh, yeah, but you're not going to find an you're not you're not going to find an upgrade to Diggs. I mean, that's let's just throw that out there. Um, true, and and, big, and he's under money. team control for a while, and we just traded for him. So I think that's done. Yeah. But you take so a look at McDougald. There. McDougald, you could save $4.1 million if you cut McDougald. Now, I'm not saying they're True. going to do that. I'm just saying if they see an opportunity to upgrade that position, yeah, they the might. The future of that position is on the roster in Blair. They're not going to go spend a bunch of money on a guy that, okay, yeah, he's better than McDougal, but he's going to block Blair. Blair is the future of the position. He's probably going to be the starter next year, uh, if at not point. week one. 
uh, sometime, you know, mid season till the end. Um, he's, it's, it's going to be his job. Um, so, and, so what you were saying is we just, we can just bypass this entire position group because we just, which is, it. which is why, why I brought it up as next. Cause I'm like, let's just, let's get rid of this because to uh, me, you know, you scroll way down on the list of, of available guys and find right. yourself a special teamer. Yes. Um, you know, a guy like Eric Murray of the, from the Browns. Okay, there's a guy that can play special teams and will probably cost you $1.2 million a year. That's the type of player they're going to look at and nothing else. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so let's talk about corners. So we've got a couple of different categories with corners. Outside corners, mm-hmm. cover corners, you know, whatever you want to call them. And then you've got your inside slot guys. Um, I've got a few on each list. Keith, why don't you start the conversation? Just like, where are we at with our current guys and what do we need to do? Well, this is a uh, kind of a position group that's in transition because you know Griffin is the guy on one side. Um, And then the team likes Flowers and they kind of want to keep him on the other side, but he had a down year um, and you know they're going to hedge in case he doesn't rebound. And last year they had nothing at the slot or as a backup, um, you well, know, they had, and it was rough. Yeah. I mean, they had I mean, the new kid, uh, Ugo Amadi. Amadi, and, and he became the, he just wasn't you know, trusted was, until the very end. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't trust him until they had to. And when they, when he did, he stepped up, but, uh, the same is true for Blair, but, and then they have instantly benched Blair, um, you know, when people got healthy. So whatever, um, we don't, I don't want to say that we can just write, you know, in ink Ugo Amadi's name as yeah. As we can't. The, I don't um, think we can. As this, yeah. So you, you look at this and you go, okay, there you're looking at um, a position where they could add a guy, especially if they could add a guy um, who's younger that they know can play or is coming from a similar defense where they they're you can make a really good assessment of what they can do in the scheme. Uh, and then you just go roll with it, but they're not, I don't see them going out and spending big money. I mean, people will talk about Josh Norman, who just I am got, now. Um, no. cut, and he's 33 and he's yeah, not the no. he used to be. I wouldn't do that. So are you focused um, on the slot corner now? Or are you focused on outside corner? See, I'm kind of looking at both because I do like the idea of, um, having someone who can play the outside and then just using Shaq Griffin, who has all the coverage skills to play inside or outside um, and letting him start on the outside and then slide in in the nickel and let, you know, a a lesser player uh, have the boundary over to there uh, to help him out. uh, Cause I don't think Shaq needs it. I mean, a guy Um, like Kendall Fuller is interesting to me, like in that scenario, um, guy mm-hmm. that can play in the slot, but it can also play a little free safety for you. He can play on the on the edge. I mean, that's one of the few that I think that gives you a lot of scheme diversity. There's a couple of guys that play um, like Mackenzie Alexander. He's only 26 years mm-hmm. old, solid in the slot, really solid. But he can play a little bit outside. Brian Poole, another guy, probably the only bright spot on the Jets defense, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest. But he's a tremendous mm-hmm. slot guy. I mean, if we're just going to get a slot guy, Brian Poole would be an interesting guy. And I think he could have him for like five and a half million dollars. Um, you know, on the, on the outside corner types that could play both. 
Eh, there's just not a it's, lot of guys, Keith. I mean, maybe not. Jimmy Smith um, at 31 years old, the guy that you could bring in and edge against a, a, a Flowers um, for competition that you could cut, you know, at the end of training camp if you had to, or you could keep as kind of your your fifth corner that could, mm-hmm. you know, back up Flowers or whatever. I don't know. So I was thinking more, so looking at guys, um, you know, I mean, obviously uh, getting a slot guy, someone uh, who can who can kind of hold that 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 spot down um, exclusively, play some special teams, all that kind of stuff. Maybe a guy like Daryl Worley um, from the Raiders would be kind of a guy that, that could fit uh, and come in and do that. He's only 25 um, and likely has a chance to... Um, you know, land back there, but he's six one, so he's not like the six three prototype for Seattle. But he's big enough that he can play on the outside, but also quick enough that can play on the inside. So he would be a guy that I'd look at. Um, and then the other guy that that kind of jumped out to me uh, was Eli Apple, yeah. um, who, who has was in New York and then went to the Saints and never really kind of lived up to expectations either. But he's got all these athletic traits and he's super long and, and all the stuff that, that Pete Carroll likes. Uh, it'd be interesting to see but, if the saints resign him because, you know, after his New York gig, New Orleans gave him a one year deal and let, it would be interesting to see if they thought enough of mm-hmm. him to resign him, but he would be an interesting guy that would given Pete Carroll, uh, you know, who knows what he could do with Apple. I, I upside. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, that Apple's one of those guys that guy. he's one of those guys that people have kind of written off. They're like, "Oh, he's never going to live up to his draft status and all that." And he'd be going to his third team, and and you know, so there are a lot of people are kind of down on him. And I'm like, you give him an opportunity in Seattle's scheme with Pete Carroll as the coach, and and what he asks the outside corners to do, and um, I think he could actually be really good in this defense. Um, and so if, if he's available and, uh, people are as down on him as it seems, man, I'd go get him, um, go, go sign him to whatever you need to and, and bring him in and let him, um, let him compete for that, that starting job, uh, on the outside with flowers. Yeah. This is definitely the either outside or in the slot is definitely a position where I see Seattle spending a little bit of free agency money. Um, they're definitely going to throw a lot of money at the, at the line. Um, Mm -hmm. and then at, at the corner, um, they're not so much going to do that at linebacker or the safety. So for me, if they spend, you know, the combo between an outside corner and a slot, they could definitely bring in a couple of guys and I could see them spending easy, you know, seven to $10 million between the two of them, um, to kind of solidify that situation because it was, you know, Flowers was okay, but he's still developing. We just don't know exactly what he's going to turn into. And he could benefit. I'm talking about Flowers. He could benefit for an improved overall defense. I mean, a 27th ranked defense isn't doing your 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 corners any favors. Um, no. And so, if you can get if you can improve that line, I think, and get to the quarterback and disrupt passing lanes and all that other stuff that goes with it, I think Flowers is helped. Um, so it'd be interesting. I, I, I'm not ready to give up on flowers as a starter in this defense, unless it's a clear upgrade. If it's a clear upgrade, Mm -hmm. so be it. But if it's not, I think you're, you're asking for complimentary players 
we we don't really have anyone on the roster past you know the third corner at this point that really you could say is going to definitely make the roster and so you've got to solve for at least a couple of different spots and yeah most most of the time you're looking at special teams contrib- uh, contributions and so forth but we don't yet know for sure if Amadi's going to take that free safety spot or not free safety that slot spot um and we don't have anybody to back up that outside corner spot either one mm-hmm. that's on the roster right now thorpe's a free oh, agent and he's been injured and king yeah, is, he hasn't played we for don't a know what years. we really have in king didn't see a lot last year that was pleasing to the eye so i don't know that they bring him back um one name that i and for some reason i kind of skipped over um that would be in really intriguing just entirely for the athletic traits would be byron jones who last year or his whole career so far has been mm-hmm. um with the cowboys he's 27 currently i think he'll be 28 uh during next year um he's gonna get a little bit a of guy. money He's probably going to get some money because athletically he's special. Um, but he's at the same time, like some people are like, well, maybe he's a free safety and not a corner. True. Um, and he because, just started playing quarter this year. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, he was a safety before. Well, he came into the league as a corner, but then they moved him to safety. And then now they've moved him back to corner. He would be great in Seattle's cover three scheme as an outside guy. Who was who his, his defensive backs coach? Um, maybe Chris Richard, who <laughs> used to be Seattle's defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, a uh, great fit, great, great fit. Um, you know, scheme wise and all of that. So I would like, I, I would love to see that. Uh, and we already know, like the Cowboys have, they have cap issues. They're gonna they lose do. some guys, and if they end up losing Jones, having him sneak um, up to well, Seattle, they may have to, and, they may uh, have to choose be between good. Jones and Quinn. I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't think they can afford if both I'm, of them. If I'm then I'm picking Jones. He's the younger player. I agree. I totally agree. And that's why maybe that helps us with Quinn, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the defensive line. But we'll see. Yeah, I. it'll be interesting to see how Seattle approaches this whole thing. Because we've spent all of Seattle's cap money in the last two shows. But we've spent it in so many different places. I, don't, I really have no idea exactly how we did it. Um, we kind of now, we now, we need a recap show to... <laughs> to recap the last two shows to kind of put it all together for us. Um, So if you can try to kind of put it all together, like how are the Seahawks really going to approach free agency? Um, What position groups, both on offense and defense, are they probably going to spend money? And do they really have a chance to improve the team or are we just kind of, kind of staying even? I think they they have a chance to improve the team because they have all that cap room, um, and they have all the draft picks. But they need to they need to upgrade the defensive line. Um, they and they know that you have Puna Ford and essentially nothing else right now, um, unless Rasheem Green or uh, LJ Collier uh, develops into a player, um, you know, on the line with him. But right now, I mean, the 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 cupboard's pretty bare on the defensive line. So I if what we're going to see is you're going to see them, uh, they've already got their tight end, so that's done. You're going to see them uh, spend some money on one defensive lineman, uh, whether it be a guy like Conklin or a guy like uh, McGovern. You mean offensive lineman? Um, oh, yeah, offensive lineman. Um, whether Conklin or, or, or McGovern. Um, and then if it's McGovern, they'll cut um, Britt. And if it's Conklin, you know, he's coming in to replace um, Fetty. 
And then, you know, you look at the, that's probably the extent of what they're going to do as far as, uh, maybe a third wide uh, receiver, offense. like a journeyman wide receiver, maybe. Yeah. But even then you're looking, you're they're They've got, they've got the top two and they've got, they've got guys numbers one, two, four, and five on the roster. So yeah, maybe a number three, but even then the guys that are four and five that are on the roster might step up into True. that role. So, uh, it, it's not like a huge position. So you, you're, the offense isn't going to get a lot of free agency resources. It's going to go to the defense. And we already said linebackers probably not going to be it. Safety's not going to be it. Um, and believe it or not, corners probably not going to be it, even though we went through a whole bunch of names and how, oh, we'd really like to see them do this. But the Seahawks just have had really poor. Um, I think the Seahawks could, trying could, to, could spend at least $30 million on their defensive line. Agree. Free agency. Uh, I didn't. It, what they've what they've shown is that when they bring in veteran um, corners, they don't fit well in a Seattle scheme because they Seattle the Seattle is asking them to use a specific technique um, at the line. It's called a kick step technique, um, and veteran players just don't want to change what they've been doing that works, um, and so it ends up not working out. They've had a a few guys come and come in and go, and it just they, they prefer to go get young players and teach them. Uh, Shaq Griffin was one. Trey Flowers was one. You know, I mean, that's that's who that's who ends up playing uh, corner. And so I expect them to draft, um, you know, maybe a, a second or third round player uh, to fill the needs there. Um, so what, I mean, that's corner, safety, linebacker. What's left? The defensive line. And that's where they're going to have um, the, the majority of their money. Like thirty, thirty-five million dollars is going to go to the defensive line. If that's if it's not Clowney, um, maybe it's Fowler. If it's not Fowler, maybe it's you know four guys. Uh, right. But they're going to fix that line because that's the the defensive line more than anything else on the team. The defensive line was what held this team back and made it so that they weren't a true Super Bowl contender last year. Absolutely, there's just no question that that's the. That's the answer. That's the key to solving th- this team's uh, equation to going further in the playoffs and getting back to the Super Bowl. Everything else is lined up. Everything else is easier to solve. Everything on the offense is really easy now, now that we've kind of addressed the tight end situation. Now we're looking at right, right tackle, maybe an interior lineman. That's it. The end. We'll go get a you know another receiver in the draft. Or go get a, a, a mid-tier, lower-tier um, free agent signing to come in and um, kind of be a veteran presence in the in the locker room there on the on the uh, in the wide receiver room, and then on the defense, it's all defense, and it's all defensive line. I mean, yeah, other than maybe a slot corner or an outside corner in a backup role, possibly, unless you can find a way to really truly upgrade over Flowers. Uh, all that money is going to go into the uh, defensive line. And it'd be interesting to see how they do it because, um, you know, if, if, (laughs) if they pay Clowney, it just changes everything. It just changes everything because that eats up so much money and the investment and the risk is tied into one player. It just makes, uh, the more I've thought about it this, this off season, the more queasy it's making me. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know if I want them to do it. I love now I love Clowney and and you guys know that out there. Uh, we all do. We, we like what he brings. He brings a ton to the team, not just on the stat sheet, but everything else. And 
but to tie up one guy with his injury history and he's not getting any younger and it's going to be a huge contract. It's going to be the biggest defensive contract in the NFL possibly. Um, <laughs> and we have so many other areas that we could really improve. Uh, it's that's, that's a tough one. So it'll be really interesting to see how the team addresses that. I'm leaning towards Clowney leaving in free agency. Now I know the team really wants to sign him and maybe they do get a situation where they can get like a 12 to $13 million first year cap hit and go out and, and grab another couple guys, especially guys that are on short term contracts to come in. Um, but that contract is for probably four or five years. That's going to tie up the team for four or five years at, at that larger number, the 20, $22 million that we're talking about. So it's not just this year. We're talking about years to come down the road. That's going to impact the roster. So, well, so there is, there is one, there is one counterpoint to all of that. And that is what we started off. Um, the, the show just mentioning briefly with the, uh, the fact that the, the new CBA is, um, is close to being ratified that we are not going to have a work stoppage and we're going to have all of this. And where they're talking about $5 billion of money over the life of the, um, the CBA going to players. So it's more than what they have. We're well, that changes everything, number. Keith. Let's just, let's we're, stop the recording now and start over <laughs> and now, add back um, that $5 billion and we'll have a different conversation. Uh, because what happens then crazy. is the team can, the team can look at this year and go, okay, well let's, um, we can, as, if we can get Clowney for 13 million in, in year one, as far as a cap hit, um, he's going to get way more than that because they're going to pay him. Most of it's going to be, there's going to be a big chunk of a sign, signing bonus and that just gets prorated over the life of the contract. Um, but they can get him for a lower number this year, sign some other guys, knowing that next year and the year after that, the salary cap is going to balloon up quite a bit and they're going to have room to go get the guys they need. Um, and so maybe that's what they're looking at. Maybe they're looking at a, a situation where they're like, we just have to, you know, get through the, this one year as far as his, uh, you know, bloated contract. And then the, the market changes entirely. And a year from now, $20 million for a dominant offense or defensive lineman might be nothing. That's great insight. I mean, really, that's. That changes everything, and it, it very well could. And uh, as of recording, we just didn't have enough information. In fact, the league, the owner's uh, side, has is getting very close to uh, passing and ratifying their end of the collective bargaining agreement starting in 2021. Now it goes to the players' uh, league, the 1,300-member league uh, players' association needs to also ratify their part of the deal if they have any changes or want any addendums to, to be added to it, then they submit that and it goes back and forth for a little bit. However, mm-hmm. the situation but it's, but it's though close. is they still have what eighteen months in or before they have to have something in place. So this is well ahead of time. This is now yep. enables them to possibly get into a uh, changing uh, into the playoff scenario next year. It enables them to know what the contracts are going to look like a year ahead of time and so forth. So you're right. It does affect this year's free agency. And if they could get some sort of deal in place uh, and agreed upon by all parties before free agency, that could change everything. I mean, for every team, not just the Seahawks, but every team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, the other change uh, 
you know, basically an, an update since last week's show that I wanted to um, to mention was that uh, one of the guys that we talked about, uh, DJ Humphreys, uh, the uh, uh, Arizona offensive tackle, re-signed with the team. Um, and re-signed with the team for surprisingly less than what people thought. Um, coming in at, at about $15 million a year. Um, as, a left tackle. Get, as a left tackle. As a left tackle. And, you know, people were thinking 18. Um and but he got he he signed for fifteen and that kind of sets the market and he's a left tackle so when you're looking at a right tackle uh, the people on Twitter that are speculating that Afedi is going to get eleven um, you went from you know Humphreys is a good left tackle and Afedi is a bad right tackle uh, so I would say based on the Humphreys contract if if Afedi gets six he probably should be happy with that um, but it also means that a guy like Conklin. It, you know, nine million, ten million. That's probably the market for for a top right tackle uh, this year, it, assuming that uh, somebody doesn't come along and screw up the market that Humphreys just set uh, by signing some other player to a to a huge deal. Um, that makes Conklin much more in play uh, to go be a massive upgrade at right tackle. Yeah. I still uh, think Conklin make- probably to- tops out at like 12. I, because just of the, of the player caliber that he is. He um, is, yeah. But nonetheless, you know, I think the top right tackle in the league, what makes 13 or 16 or what? I can't remember anyway, or I think it's lane in uh, Philly that makes 18 or some ridiculous amount. And then everything, he, everybody he else does. is like several million dollars less than that. Um, yeah, it's it's him, and then and then a big gap, and then right. uh, everyone else. Uh, but part of that is that yes, he's a right tackle instead of a left tackle, but he is so dominant in their uh, offense and their scheme, and and they run to his side so much um, because he's so athletic and so good in space and all of that. Um, he is the more like he is to that offense what a left tackle is in Seattle. Um, they have to have that guy, um, and so they paid him. But he doesn't set the market for everyone else. Really yeah, does. I mean, getting back to to the Seahawks, you know, uh, to have a Conklin over on the right side instead of Fetty would be a dream come true for both of us and for almost every Seahawk fan in existence. It would it would change the dynamic of the of the line. It would make Fluker much a better player, actually. Um, so yeah, interesting. I mean, so I think we've wound up the, the, the free agency look, um, we're going to put that to bed for a few weeks. We'll come back to it after free agency starts. We'll, you know, talk about it as free agency is going on. We'll kind of have a recap as well. After the Seahawks have signed a few players, we've got something to talk about there next week. We're going to move in a completely different direction, although we're staying with, capital improvement of the uh, in the offseason for the Seahawks and going towards the draft. Uh, next week, uh, at the end of the week, is the beginning of the Combine, the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. And uh, it in, moves to primetime this year, uh, which I don't personally like. Um, I've always had some flexibility to be able to watch some of that stuff in the mornings, and I've enjoyed that. Uh, now I'll have to wait until what I think is 4 p.m. Pacific time before the combine starts on uh, primetime NFL channel. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch that. Lots of good players. We're going to have uh, a complete preview show next week. And then uh, the week after, we'll have a recap uh, of all the players we saw. And, and we'll start dreaming about who we'd love to have mm-hmm. on the team. Um, anything else, Keith, before we kind of head out of here? 
No, I think we've wrapped everything up. I um, I am starting to look look uh, forward to the draft stuff because that's it's just it's fun. It's make the fun shows. It's fun for me to do all the research on players. I, I get lost into watching tape, and hours can go by as I'm I'm studying plays of individual players. And it, it's this is my part of the year. This I love this part, uh, and I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, having the show really dive into it. So a couple of housekeeping things too. Uh, I don't know if you've been on the website lately, but we've been doing a little housekeeping uh, here and there, cleaning up some things. Um, we've changed the name of the show officially from Hawks Playbook Podcast to Seahawks Playbook Podcast, um, just so that we could be a little bit more uh, out there on social media and um, being able to be searched upon and also we are trying to strengthen our um our presence out there on all the podcast uh applications so i think we've recently been added to spotify we've got a couple of new feeds going so eventually i think we're going to ask folks to uh, resubscribe to a, a number of feeds that they may be currently subscribing to so we'll get into that as that comes up uh so keith's been doing a lot of work on the back end so i appreciate all that effort keith um, yeah, that's it. So let's wind this thing up. Uh, you can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show is at SeahawksPlaybook.com and Hawks Playbook on Twitter. Sorry for the confusion there. And, uh, find us on your favorite podcast app so you can subscribe and, uh, don't miss us, uh, when we come out every week. So until next week, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Fox Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Podcasts or listen at our website, hawksplaybook.com. Follow us on Twitter. Phil is at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. See you next week and go Hawks. <laughs>